Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Um, thank you for being mom. Thank you for doing what moms do. And thank God that God gave you the extra patience to deal with all the kids being a mother. Um, uh, I've said to my mom so many times, um, uh, sorry. And she said, what are you saying sorry for? I said, my whole life. <laughs> And so I want to encourage you to spend time with your mom. Tell your mom thank you. Tell your mom you love her. Um, and try to remember all the times that all the things that y'all been through uh, before you can't do that. Um, and if your mom is gone, uh, spend some time with her today telling her how much you love her and how much you miss her. Amen? Amen. Um, uh, before I start, hey, I want to say hello to campuses, East County, San Isidro, City Heights, San Marcos, um, uh, online church, microsites, all the people in prison. God bless y'all. Happy Mother's Day to all y'all. Amen. Let's give all the people about their head. Uh, last week, I did a sermon in Spanish, complete sermon in Spanish, and I want to thank all the people who came. Amen. Amen. And something interesting happened that I just want to uh, comment on and reflect on because I, I don't know um, what happened. We had about 1,200 people less than normal last week. And I was thinking, um, what, why was that? And then I was at a meeting the other day and, and some people said they thought that it was going to be in all Spanish and no English. And so if, you didn't, if that was not clear to you, that's on us, so we apologize for you. Anybody think, did anybody think that, that it was going to be no English and just Spanish? How many, just raise your hand real quick if you thought that. Okay. And so in the future, when you hear we're going to do a Spanish service, because we will, there will always be translation. So we apologize to you for not making that really clear. Um, then uh, I started thinking about um, uh, people who didn't come because they didn't want to be bothered with two languages. And um, if that's you, the gospel is about being bothered. And what I mean by that is that when you go to the airport or you go to some place and you're dealing with someone who you can't understand, that's when you have to acknowledge you belong to the kingdom of God. Don't confuse being American. Listen to what I'm saying being Republican or Democrat. Do not confuse that with being the kingdom of God. Once those things interfere with your ability to be the kingdom of God, you're in idolatry. Amen? Amen. So be clear. Uh, there, was, there, was, there was a home second. I got to get my notes because there was something else I wanted to say. I thought I had it memorized. Excuse me. I want to make sure I get this right. Um, Oh, I want to thank all you. Could you come? Apologize. And then there were there were a couple of people online, and this is a very small percentage. Uh, I acknowledge that, but I still want to bring it up. There were a very small percentage of people who are really anti. And and when you hear that kind of rhetoric, I want to challenge you and rally you to speak against it, um, because we belong to the kingdom of God. And when you hear anti whatever that we would be represent love and patience and grace just like we were extended by Jesus Christ. Can I get amen? Amen. amen. 
I, I want you to let that sink in, especially in light of what we're going to talk about today. Listen, I've done many interviews. I can't count. Maybe 30 interviews up here from politicians to porn stars. Ron Jeremy, who's done 3,000 porn films. I interviewed him here. It's online if you want to go look it up. It'll be very fascinating. You wonder how could that happen? Just watch it. I've interviewed athletes and singers and celebrities. And today I'm going to interview a friend of mine, Shantine Feldon. Um, I think this is going to be the most important interview I've ever done. Sean T is one of the smartest people I know. She's Harvard grad, and she has done uh, research uh, in, on Wall Street, but now she's doing research on how to improve relationships. And so if you want to improve and know how to improve relationships and how to feel like you're loved better, this is the interview you want to hear. So I want all y'all to stand up to your feet, and let's give Sean T a big, warm welcome. Amen. Come on, let's go, church. Come on, baby. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Man, you guys are good to your visitors. Amen. This woman is, I call her beast, and you'll know why in a few minutes. Tell us about I yourself. need to take you on the road. He's like the best encourager ever, is he not? I can't believe you get this man as your pastor every week. I'm, I'm going to make a little video of me saying that. You can take it. Just send me the check. Okay. Send me a check. Okay. <laughs> uh, t t tell us about how you got started and what you do. and what. You yeah, so I'm a, I'm a social researcher. Um, I study people. I do random interviews and then do big national surveys and try to dig out stuff that helps us in our lives and our relationships and write books about it. And um, I'm also a wife and a mom. Um, Thanks I have for being two here teenagers. on Mother's Day. Thanks oh, for being yeah, here on Mother's absolutely. Day. Oh, we, yeah, We're kind of used to this, so we always do Mother's Day later. Mm. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, so the, really the whole, the whole um, point of how I feel like God did this right-hand turn and my, using this analytical background, I used to work on Wall Street, I think you said that, um, in really taking that analytical skill set and using it in a completely different way. So just so they're clear, you used to do research uh, on Wall Street for yeah. banks. So you're Correct. a Harvard grad in... Your Harvard degree? I, I, it's a mouthful. It's, it's a graduate degree oh, called... Oh, excuse me, Harvard grad degree. <laughs> well, Pac the Khan, Harvard, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, no, it's a, called a Master in Public Policy with a Concentration in Business, which is a mouthful, I know, but it's basically just analytical. Okay, yeah. and so you used to do that on Wall Street, and now you're doing it in, for relationships. Correct. A total right-hand turn, had no idea that God would do this. But it's been really, really cool because it has allowed me to kind of use that skill set in something that matters a whole lot more than finance. And you've written a book uh, for men only, for women only, 2.5 yeah. million copies sold. Yeah. That means girlfriends getting paid. <laughs> well, it ends up funding, actually, the studies end up funding the money that when you I, buy a I book, it's the next one. That's okay. We ain't hating on you. And then she wrote this book called The Kindness Challenge, which is going to be in the lobby of all the campuses. You want to get this book. All the campuses have it. So tell us about The Kindness Challenge. So essentially, this started because I looked back at all the studies that I had done. And, and I should explain that what I'm trying to identify is the little things that matter, like the little things that you didn't know would make a big difference. But if you just do this or you're, you just think about this thing differently, it has this really big kind of disproportionate improvement in your life, your relationships. And I looked back at, at the time I had done seven of these big national research studies. And 
found that there's this thread running through all of them, which is that whether you thrive in your life and whether you thrive in your relationships, it turns out it is far more correlated to how you treat other people than how you yourself are treated. Which Think about that. <laughs> you are not enslaved to other people. You're not. The devil wants you to be enslaved to other people. They have to do this for me. No, no, no. Jesus has put that power and control into your hands. So I, I, what she's going to tell you today is not only going to set you free, but it is the entire Bible. It is the theme of the entire Bible, what she's yeah. going to tell you today. Okay? Pay attention. Yeah. Speak, no, sister. It, it, is, it is natural for us to have this sense of, okay, sort of, if you don't mind me making a Mother's Day example. So ladies, all the moms in the room, we're like, you know, we want to be treated right today. And we have this, you better treat me right thing. And, and which is awesome. It's Mother's Day. So all the men out there know that's the rule, right? All the kids. But we have this feeling kind of all of us every day. Like it's got to be fair. Like, I got to be treated right. And, and so we try to make that happen. And we try to make sure things are fair so that I'll be happy. And instead, what Jesus talks about and what science now shows is that it's the opposite. It's that really, if you want to thrive, if you want that sense of a joyful life, if you want those relationships, all of the best Mother's Day relationship, Mother, Mother's Day gift you can give your wife or your mom or that you can give yourself is peace in your home. And the way that that works, it turns out, is far more how you treat others than how you're treated. You want to go to Luke early this time? Yeah, Let's that go would to be Luke. Great. Let's put Luke on the, because yeah. anytime Jesus teaches something or the Bible teaches something, you have to always know there's a lot more to it than what you think. There's a spiritual principle behind it. There's science behind it because God created everything and he created everything consistent with who he is. Science does not, exp science explains how things work, okay? Uh, and so science doesn't explain how it got there. It just explains how it works. And, and so when you, when you, when, because God created everything, he created everything consistent with who he is because he can't do anything inconsistent with who he is. And so when you read the Bible, you have to understand there's going to be science behind it validating and not validating, but evidence that what God's really saying. So we're going to read a verse and it's going to, yeah. then we're going to look beneath it. Yeah. Okay. So listen to this with, with new ears. This is the origin of the golden rule, right? Of do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? We've all heard that. And I want to read this and you're going to see something completely different. It's Luke it. 6, 28. It should be Luke 6. I think it's 6, 28. Okay. Okay. Um, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Okay, now just think about that for a second. And bless those who curse you. Now, just pause for just a second. When people disrespect us, I'm sorry, I'm like, uh-uh, that ain't happening. Right? I mean, I get my head wag on. Her name is Shanti, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just People saying. People always think I'm black. It's the funniest thing. Every time I get invited to a black church, my staff has to, has to say, you do know she's white, right? Yeah, like, seriously. Shanti Fell is like a, yeah. a black Jew combination. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what? Anyway. Um, it's actually from India, believe it or not. My okay. name. Anyway. Um, but 
we get, we get that, I don't know about you, you're probably more Christian than me, but I get that upsetness. Like, you know, you're disrespecting me. I want to stand up for myself. Okay, so listen to the words here. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on your cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, so now you're talking about having something stolen from you, do not withhold your shirt from them also. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Here's that verse, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that, right? Even sinners love those who love them. Now, here's let me just pause here for a second. Then there's a little bit more. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be called children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Okay, essentially, Jesus is saying exactly those situations that cause us to think, well, this is not one of those situations where I'm supposed to be kind. Because we think, well, you know, we need boundaries. You know, we think someone's disrespecting us or someone's being this or that. Like this one, I need to stand up for myself. And there may in fact be those kinds of situations. However, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He is talking about those situations of disrespect, active injustice, active cruelty. And he says, do unto others, in context, it means this. I want you to treat this person who's being mean to you in the kind and generous and grace-filled way you wish they were treating you. That is the golden rule. That is not a, some sweet sentiment that we teach our kids and think it makes us feel good. No, this is a hard and high calling for followers of Christ. And, and not only the way you would want to be treated, but the way the Father has treated you. Because you can be a knucklehead. Yeah. So you say, well, I'm a knucklehead. So, I mean, I, I don't mind being treated like a knucklehead, so I'm going to treat you <laughs> like a knucklehead. But how does the, what is the Father's love? Because a lot of us have dysfunctional love. Matter of fact, we all have dysfunctional love. All our love is imperfect, if, if, if another way of saying that. So we need to, we, I hate to use the word channel because it has a lot of hair on it, uh, uh, associations, but we need to express the Father's love in those situations. This is the gospel. The gospel's not, I come to church and I feel good, and when I feel good, I'm a Christian, when I don't, I'm not. That's not the gospel. That's the world. The gospel is very different. It is this. And there is, there is a, yeah, it is Amen. this. Now, there, is, there could easily be misunderstanding. So let's clear this up right now, okay? Which is, it is very easy to hear this and think, so I can't have boundaries, right? Like there, no, that's not the case. Think of it this way. There is a difference between being kind and being nice, okay? Being nice, niceness is much pleasant. It's, you keep things surface level. You're not going deep. You're not necessarily confronting things that have to be confronted. Kindness, what Jesus talks about, loving kindness is often the word used. 
That type of kindness cares about the best interest of the other person. And it is not in that person's best interest to continue, for example, to destroy their emotional equilibrium by mistreating somebody else. So you absolutely can confront it, but you have to do it in a way that's not just speaking truth, but speaking truth in love. Speaking truth in love, speaking truth in love. So let's talk about what those three things are, yeah, and then, then we'll flesh them out. By the way, um, these are, you're going to put them on the screen, and we, I encourage you to um, uh, take a picture. You can also text kindness to 52525, and it'll give you categories of people that you could apply this to. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and then one thing, we, one thing I want to emphasize is that not only are you going to glorify the Father when you do this, but you are going to feel better. You're not only going to be a blessing to them, be a blessing to the Father, but you are going to feel better. A lot of times we feel like, I gotta, if I obey God, I just got to be a, you know, a burden. I got to live miserable. God <laughs> wants you to be happy. He wants you, The fruit of the Spirit is not miserableness. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. How many of you want to be joyful? Very good. The fruit of the Spirit is love. How many of you want to feel love? And so is, there's, a, there's, a, there's also a, a benefit to you. Well, is that selfish? Yeah, it's, in a good way, God wants you to want what he wants to give you. I want what God wants to give me. Yeah. So there's a benefit. Uh, okay, and we should probably also say straight up, right? We, straight everyone up. in here. Straight up, yo. <laughs> every person in this room, I can guarantee this. When we started talking about kindness, everybody in here thought, oh man, I really wish Jenny were here right now. Right? I really wish John were here right now. Like, he needs this. And you know what? Let's take a survey. You're a survey. Yeah, girl. seriously. <laughs> How many of y'all are thinking that? How many of y'all are thinking, thinking that? Thinking somebody else needs yeah, this right now. Here's, right now. <laughs> here's the thing that we don't, we don't realize. Is that I, as I was studying this, every person in this room, we already think we are kind. <laughs> and we're all deluded. <laughs> we are not the kind people of kindness that we think we are every day. How many of y'all so, would admit to that? Well, let me, let me, okay, yeah. good. You understood the question. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There Thank you. Go. See, you're a researcher too. I am a researcher. Absolutely. Um, so here's what we found really changes things. It's called the, what we called it was the 30-day kindness challenge. And you pick one person that you want to have a better relationship with. And now this can be somebody you already have a good, you can already have a good marriage, for example, you just want to make it better, so you choose your spouse. Or you can do this for your child. Like, I did this for my 16-year-old daughter. I mean, she's a great kid, but she can roll her eyes with the best of them. And my head wants to explode, right? And so... And what's her name? Her name is Morgan. Okay. So I did this for Morgan. So, so you can do this for your daughter. You can do this for your mother-in-law, right? You can do this for that colleague, that just, in Christian love, you want to, yeah. So pick the person that you want to do this for, and here's the key, one person. There is such a, a desire to try to do this widely. The first 30 days, do it for one person because that becomes a boot camp, and suddenly you see all this stuff in yourself. So here's what you do. For 30 days. It's on the screen. It's on Take screen. a screen. Say nothing, first thing, say nothing negative about that person. 
either to them or about them to somebody else. Hey. <laughs> this is, I do women's conferences, and sometimes when I tell the women, you know, you're doing this for your husband, say nothing negative about him, to him or about him to somebody else, and the whole audience goes, oh. <laughs> you know, like, you know, we think that that's hard. But here's what we don't realize. I can be with, let's just say for the sake of argument, I'm doing this for my husband, Jeff. Let's just say I'm in a difficult place with him. I can be polite to him, like saying nothing negative to him. I can do that. But if I go to my girlfriends at work and I complain about him, like, you would not believe what he did. I don't realize it, but I'm sabotaging how I feel about my husband. And oh, by the way, I am training myself to be an unkind person. I don't think about it that way, but that's what I'm doing. So for the first, for the, the first thing, there's three things every day. First, say nothing negative about them. Two or more about them. Yes. When she said it's a boot camp, what's going to happen is that you are going to learn the negativity in yourself. When you start, you pick somebody out and you start saying, okay, I'm going to say when you're going to do these things, you're going to learn about yourself. Yeah. That is the lesson here. It's you changing. Okay, go ahead. Well, and actually, let's also confront what I felt when I first started to document that these things mattered, because that was a lot of what the research study was, was trying to figure out what matters and what doesn't. I, I have to confess this. This first one, you know, there's three things every day. This first one, I kind of thought that won't be a problem for me. To you say know, something positive. To, to, to not, no, to oh, not, to not, not say, say the negative, because yeah. I'm not negative. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty positive person. I'm, you know, glass half, half, half full kind of girl, you know. So, and then I started to catalog the different types of negativity. There, it turns out there's seven different patterns of negativity. We all have at least one of them, okay? So some of us have more than one. And, um, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, <laughs> and for me... I realized as I started doing this, I am negative every single day because one of the patterns of negativity is exasperation. Can you name the seven real quick? Yeah, yeah. Just, well, just name them. Yeah, you okay. Explain well, them. okay. So, yeah. So exasperation, like I get exasperated oh, with my kids like all the time. That. Yeah. Kind of this sense of almost this pessimism. Okay. Like things aren't going to work, you know, like, oh, you know, I don't think that'll work, you know, Eeyore, right, yeah. Um, And you can be, you can have a different type of personality. We found this was unrelated to personality types. It doesn't matter what our, our natural temperament can be. We can have the redeemed version of that temperament, right? Redeemed means the Christian version. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Complaining. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Suspicion. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's one. All right. Ready for this? Sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's another one. Is this seven? Catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many of y'all like possessed with seven demons and negativity? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the way, these are, these are, don't be mistaken, these are activities of the evil one. Yeah. These are the activities, these are spiritual whispers in your head. Spiritual. Yeah. Well, the exasperation, for example. I, I didn't realize, I get exasperated with my kids every day. I had no idea 
That like, for example, my son, he's in eighth grade, will work on homework, you know, and he's not all that organized. He has some learning issues. And so we'll work for like two hours on a project, right? And then he'll forget to turn it in. Oh, Lord, Lord I heard somebody say, have oh, mercy. Lord, Lord have right? mercy. Okay. And, Call on Jesus. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, my voice rises. I'm like, buddy, come on. We worked on that for a couple of hours. What were you thinking? I have no idea. As my voice is rising, I've got this tone. I have no idea that I am saying to him, you're an idiot. Now, would I ever use those words? Maybe once with, a year. No, 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 I would never use those exact words with my sensitive son. And yet that's exactly what I'm saying. So we don't realize that's the first thing with holding a, that negativity. Because the devil is a deceiver. Yeah, we don't realize that. You're not really calling me an idiot. Oh, yeah, right. But you are. Okay, yeah. okay. So, so, so the first one is positivity. Yeah, the first one is don't say anything negative. Kindness challenge, three things. These yeah. are what you're going to do. Yeah. Number two, every day for 30 days for that one person, find something you can sincerely affirm about them. Sincerely praise and tell them and tell somebody else. So I can't <laughs> complain about like my husband, for example, but I'm looking for things to praise. And so I notice... Like he came home from work early to take the kids to their activities or whatever it is. And I tell him, thank you. And then when I, I go to my girlfriends at work the next day and I say, you know what he did? He came home and he took the kids to soccer. And uh, what I'm doing is basically, this is putting Philippians 4, 8 into action. You know where Paul says, rejoice, right? Like I'm going to say it again. I'm going to emphasize it. Rejoice. And, he's, and it's like, okay, you're in prison, dude. You're chained to a wall. Like, how do you rejoice in a difficult situation, in a difficult marriage, when you've got these things going on at work? How, what do you do? And this is God's prescription. Philippians 4.8, God says, think on those things that are excellent and lovely and worthy of praise rather than where your brain wants to go, which is what's worthy of driving you crazy, Right. So if he comes home late, you just thank God that he came home. Yes, and thank him. So, sorry? Yeah, and thank him. And thank for him coming. for coming home for and not going so to someone hard. else's house. <laughs> yes, we hope that that's yeah, understood. I mean, I'm, I'm yes, saying, exactly. I'm saying, yeah, and, and, some, and some people are thinking, why should I have to thank him for coming home? That's just his job, right? You know, or whatever the, the opposite is for the men to the women. You might and, want to do a 23andMe check on your... your yeah, thing. do I need to? Okay, yeah. See, see where the DNA comes from. Yeah, no. It's, it, is, it, is so, it is so clear that we use excuses. We don't understand how much praise fills up. It is oxygen to the other person, and it is what God has designed as a catalyst to change us. Can I tell them about that lady with the notebook? That's what I was going to ask you. Okay, yeah, that's okay what I was good, good, you. good. Because okay. this is what's going to change us. Here's a perfect example. I was talking to this one woman. We were doing a marriage conference, and... Um, and I was talking to this one woman who heard about the 30-day kindness challenge, and she came up to me in the corner, and she was like, basically, you don't know Henry. <laughs> you know, kind of that. And, and she said, look, I cannot say anything negative. I can do that. You know, I can just shut my mouth. I'm fine. But I don't think I'm going to be able to find one thing to praise every day. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep this notebook, and I'm going to, anytime I see anything, I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to bank it for the next day. <laughs> 
And so she came up, and, and a couple weeks later, she showed me her notebook. And she's like, look at what happened. And she showed me day one. And it said, he mowed the lawn and he hold, held the door for me at church. And she's like, so I thanked him for holding the door at church and I was going to save the lawn for the next day. <laughs> so I could have something to, you know, praise him for the next day. Is, is there anything wrong with that, by the way? <laughs> well, nothing wrong oh, okay, with that. Okay, I'm just making sure. Okay. But she was, she was so sure mm -hmm. that this was going to be a problem. And then she turned the page to day two in the notebook. And there were five things. And then she turned to day three, and there were 11 things. And she said, I had no idea how much my brain went to all those things that were driving me crazy. And yet, there's all these amazing things about this person. And we all do this. It is part of neuroscience. The neuroscientists have discovered this, that you will see more of what you focus on. Posit positivity. Praise. Praise. And then the last one. The last one. Every day for 30 days, do a small action of generosity for that person. Now, our brains automatically go to like, you know, random acts of kindness. And it, yeah, maybe this is that you, you know, your husband, you bring your wife um, a cup of coffee or whatever. But it also could be literally like with my daughter, my daughter, an action of generosity for her is when she comes running in to, and I'm working on my computer and I'm like, you know, not now, honey. If she's coming in and saying, you know, watch this little five-minute YouTube video with me, it's an action of generosity for me to turn my attention and put it on her right then. Take five minutes. That's an action of generosity to her, not an hour, right then. You see how it can be all sorts of little things that these are not big. This is not rocket science. And yet we found if you do this, 89% of relationships improved because the biggest thing that's changing is not just the temperature of the relationship. The biggest thing that's changing is it's changing you. Amen. Amen. Um, Bullet, a uh, superpower. 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 All right. So we say kindness. This is really what we found. Kindness is a superpower. And it is just as miraculous. The impacts of it are just as miraculous as when Jesus would touch blind eyes and they would see. But it's not physical, so we don't realize it. Give you an example for this. So you know how that... <laughs> you know that experience where you're driving along the road and the two lanes narrow into one and you're doing the right thing and there's always that person who comes up to the end and like tries to push his way in? Who here wants to lose their salvation? <laughs> like it's just, like you, you just, you pull up on the bumper of the car in front of you and you're like, you are not getting in here. Basically, what's happening is that honestly you have handed that person the power to make you crazy. Right? It's, it's the, to use the superpower analogy, it's like Superman, but they're firing bullets and they're, they're not bouncing off. They're hitting you. They're hurting. You're crazy right now. You're upset. Imagine what happens when instead of refusing to let them in and getting all tense, you back off a bit. They have no right to do what they've just did, none at all. And yet you back off, you wave them in, you smile at them, you wave, you let them in. Picture what happens in your heart the second you do that. 
It's like a, a load lifts, doesn't it? It's like your heart just expands and it's essentially, suddenly the power of kindness has come along and that person is still firing bullets, but they're bouncing off. And it's truly miraculous, the power of kindness, because God has designed us that way. How many of y'all would, one, love to feel loved more? Yeah. How many of y'all would love to have superpower where you can talk to somebody and no matter what they say to you, you still feel love? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I was talking to a, a young lady the other day. We were talking about racism stuff and she was disagreeing with me. And, we were, and, we, and it wasn't a contentious uh, conversation to me at all. And she wasn't saying anything hurtful to me at all. But she thought she might have been. And she said, am I offending you? I don't want to offend you. I said, you cannot offend me. I said, there's nothing you can say that you can offend me. That's a superpower. That's the gospel. <laughs> imagine, if, imagine if Jesus said, you know what, uh, you said too many curse words today, I'm not loving you today. I don't feel like dying for you because you have used my name in vain a thousand times. That's not the gospel. So what we're talking about is the gospel. And, and we have, uh, um, I don't say civilized, we've insulted the gospel by making it human. We, you know, God made us in his image, but yet we make him in our image. We make the gospel in our image. This is the reversed. Yeah, totally. To, okay, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, you were talking about feeling more loved. Get this. When we did, this, when we did the surveys and got the results back, the people who were doing the 30-day kindness, there was a study group of almost 1,000 people. And when we got the results back of the impact of the before and after, remember, these people were doing it usually without the other person having any idea that they were doing it. It was totally one-sided. They were doing all the work. And yet, two-thirds of the people doing all the work said at the end, they felt more loved and appreciated. It wasn't just that they're making the other person feel loved. It changes the relationship so much, and it's so miraculous. God's power comes in here in a supernatural way. They felt more loved and appreciated. Uh, if the, you know, the devil is so slick. He's always trying to counter what the Bible says. Some of you may be thinking, and at some point, think, well, you're just doing it for you. I asked Jesus in my heart for me. Because I want to to have a relationship with him. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to live in, in, I wanted to go to heaven. I wanted to glorify him. Absolutely. You are going to feel better. He wants you to feel better. He wants you to feel loved. He wants you to be, feel special. He does. He doesn't want you to walk around, oh, I got to be a Christian. I am so excited that I could be bulletproof. That's, that's crazy. That's amazing. Amen. This is the gospel. Yeah. Okay. Talk about Botox. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is, we were talking about this earlier because don't you, I mean, I just love it. I know I said this earlier, but I love when science backs up what scripture has said all along, right? And, um, and so there was this study of that by plastic surgeons, this group of plastic surgeons submitted Botox as for study as a potential antidepressant because they found that all their Botox patients were, were just feeling better and feeling more emotionally healthy. And, you know, Botox is an injection that smooths out lines and wrinkles. And so they thought, well, maybe people just felt better and had more, you know, emotional health and felt happier because they felt prettier. And it turns out that wasn't it. And it turns out what happens? Botox paralyzes the frown muscles. 
These people couldn't frown. <laughs> they couldn't make this grumpy negative facial expression. And when they couldn't make a negative facial expression, they felt less negative. You can skip the shot to the forehead and just do Philippians 4 8. <laughs> Here's how, here's how ingenious the devil is. Jesus is smarter, but the devil is a genius. Some of us have been so grumpy and negative. Well, we all have well, we been. we don't think we are. Right. right but right. we have been all our life that it is who we are. That we actually subconsciously, constantly believe if I don't get mad or frustrated, I am denying who I am. I'm supposed to be bad. I'm supposed to vent back at you. And that's not the gospel. That's why God's trying to renew your mind to re-establish re who you really are in Christ. We talked about last week the mind of Christ. The mind of the world says that. But the mind of Christ says something completely opposite. And you can have control. You don't have to wait for some magical spiritual thing to happen. All of a sudden you're, you're nice. You have to take control, take every thought captive. And when you have those thoughts, say, I'm going to be nice right now. And if you could take 30 days and just pick one person and say, I'm going to do this for 30 days and pay attention to what God does. Pay attention yeah. to what God does. Totally. You will find, honestly, I, I found it was incredibly helpful to keep a little notebook or put notes on my phone of little things that I did. I'm like, I had no idea how often I said this to my daughter or whatever your situation is. And here's how she responded. It's like, once you do that, it's like, okay, I can do that again. Like this mm -hmm. really, and it, this, felt good. and it felt really good. And it mm -hmm. really changed the tone of the relationship. This is why it's important to be in our group In your R group there you have some people you can practice with and hold each other accountable and talk about it. A small group of people that you meet with every yeah. week, you need to get in our group. How many of y'all are interested in doing this, by the way? Just raise your hand Real, all around the camp, all around the church. Okay, very good. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Uh, one, her book is at all our campuses. You get a book. But if you text uh, kindness to 52525, when you go there, it'll say, do you want to do it for your husband, your wife, a friend, an employee, whatever. There's little uh, options. And it'll send you a reminder every day, a, a suggestion for 30 days you can do. Amen? Now, with that said, do that, but also think your own. Like the lady with the notebook, say, man, uh, just start writing stuff down and when you start looking, if you want to find something negative in somebody, you will absolutely find it. I had a conversation with a guy the other day. He was accusing me of all this stuff. I said, brother, none of that's true. You are listening to the devil. You're straight up listening to the devil because that's not true. You are reading stuff into stuff because I don't know, for whatever reason, if you want to find it, and if you, don't, and if you just have a heart to find it, you'll create it. Yeah. But if you say, I'm going to look for something good, which is admirable, God's going to show you all kinds of stuff. And then all of a sudden, you're going to change. You're going to be a different person. Totally. Amen. Amen. And, and can I just tell you, honestly, I have a challenge just for you guys. If I can be really personal please, here please with, with, with your, your church. God, God has given this church a really special anointing. A really, you guys have an amazing leader. I'm not just saying that because you invited me to do this. You do. And my... I'll tell you something. My assistant said something to me that I passed on to, to Pastor Miles back in the back. And she said, we have, she's been working for me for eight years. 
I have gone to, I can't even count how many hundreds of churches I've been at, wonderful churches, wonderful pastors, wonderful people who are out there doing the stuff in the community. And she said, I have never worked with people as amazing as this at the Rock Church. You guys have been put into a position of influence and leadership. This is an opportunity for this congregation to be Jesus, not just in this area, but in every area that you interface with. And so, I mean, this culture needs kindness so badly. And that is how the world will know, right? So that's just the encouragement. You guys are well on your way, but just don't buy the lie that I don't need this. We all need this. Is she great? Is this great content? Amen. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Let me say two things I'm going to pray. Number one, the people she's talking about are our staff and uh, the administration who's been organizing and making plans for her to be here. So let's give them a big hand. Yeah, amazing. And number two. Uh, I mentioned that I wrote this book on racism. It's coming out in the fall. Um, it is going to encourage a lot of you, and it's going to rub a lot of you wrong. And the reason it's going to rub a lot of you wrong is because of lies that you've been told. Not because you're a bad person. Lies you've been told. Because it's going to go against lies. And every time people come here, they go, ah, because something's told against the lies. It is designed to do this. We have to, every single day, put us in training to be able to allow God to show us how to love better. That's what this is about. We can't just sit in a room together. And we can't just go to work and say or go to church, but not be willing to allow God to get in our business and show us how to be more like him. Yeah. Are you all following what I'm saying? This, this is the, this, and, and the opportunity she's talking about, even though, she, I don't know if she's referring specifically to the book, but the opportunity she's talking about that we have is to really show and demonstrate that. Because when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to the airport, when you go to 7-Eleven or whatever, this is going to happen. You're going to have an opportunity to have someone rub you wrong, whether they look like you or not, and someone in your family, someone a stranger, whatever, and that's the opportunity that you can say, I am bulletproof. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to learn how to be more loving and more selfless. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. The gospel is not coming to the Rock Church. That's not the gospel. That's going to a church. You can, you can come to the church and just because you're sitting here doesn't make you a Christian. It's like if you live in a garage, don't make you a car. <laughs> It means you got to get out of your mother's house. That's what it means, okay. <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> but, but, my, but my point is, is that if you do this next 30 days, guarantee you are going to change. And you're going to see a whole lot of things different. And you're going to realize that a lot of things that you look at now are straight up wrong. How you view people and how you think about people and how you talk to people is wrong. Praise God. Let's move on. Let's move on. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Let's pray. Let's pray real quick because our time is up. Sean T is going to be out in the lobby here and her book is in all the campuses. So let's bow our heads and pray. You can go there now. Lord, thank you so much for our sister. Thank you so much for preparing her to be a blessing to the kingdom and to the whole world. As she's teaching biblical principles to corporations. I think I'm going that way. 
But Lord, I pray that we would just do this for 30 days and that you would change our heart. How timely for her to be here. I pray that we would allow you to change our hearts, that we would allow you to show us how we can be more like you. And as we encounter people who rub us the wrong way, who are different than us or whatever, I pray you would challenge us and that we would stop, pause, and think, I'm bulletproof. (laughs) I can love this person like I love my best friend. That is the gospel. That is the whole Bible. If you want me, I just want to pray for people. I'm just going to pray for people today. If you just want me to pray for you for a burden you're carrying, a health issue, a financial issue, just raise your hand up high. For whatever whatever reason you want prayer, just raise your hand up high. Dozens of you, God bless you all over the campuses. God bless you, hundreds of of your hands. Lord, I pray for relationships. I pray for finances. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for encouragement. I pray for people struggling with their mom's situation, their mom being gone, conflict they have with their mom. I just pray for healing. Healing means restoring things the way God intended them to be, whether it be physical, relational, economic. And I pray for blessing. Lord, thank you so much for church, a place we can come and talk about you and how you can change our life. In Jesus' name, amen.